0: Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: The Ducks are trying to do something very special on the recruiting trail. Dan Lanning and his coaching staff are aiming for the top defensive line haul in the 2024 cycle, and we're talking about that on today's episode, The Ducks Dish Podcast. (music) And we're back. Like we never left, Oregon fans, what's going on? How we living? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Ducks Dish Podcast. Podcast, your premier podcast for all things Oregon football and recruiting. Excited to have you along for another episode. Just in case you're new here, I'm your host, Max Torres, lead editor and publisher of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks over on Fan Nation, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. It is Wednesday, November 1st, 2023, And we have another recruiting-centered episode for you guys. I know how much you love it when I break down all the latest happenings on the recruiting trail for the Ducks. And it's going to be a really interesting finish for Dan Lanning and the rest of this Oregon recruiting staff, rest of the Oregon coaching staff. We're just about a little over a month and a half away, I guess under two months until the early signing period kind of sounds like a while but it really isn't if you think about it oregon has four regular season games left and three of those games are home games so that bodes well for oregon you got to take a trip down to the desert to face former oregon oc now head coach kenny dillingham at arizona state and out in tempe so that game is always one that i think kind of creeps up on on uh, the ducks and it's a, uh, it's a dangerous one, but case in point, you got three more home games and I don't want to talk about what's going to happen on the field. I want to talk about what's going to happen off the field. Cause in my mind, those are three games where you have more opportunities to bring in additional recruits for their visits, whether it be unofficial visits or official visits I think they might have some time in December as well, but I'm not 100% sure just because uh, maybe they're going to be playing in the Pac-12 championship game. That's the first, uh, I think it's December 1st on a Friday out in Vegas. So things can get a little bit, um, little bit different there. But usually in December, I want to say that's when some of the in-home visits start. So not only do you have the recruits coming out to Eugene to soak up that Autzen Stadium atmosphere, the university of Oregon campus and, and the great city of Eugene. But now you have the inverse, you have coaches traveling all around the country to visit these recruits, make their final pitches and just try to drive home, you know, the special relationships that they have and, and all of those things to kind of see if they can seal the deal with some of these recruits or, you know, hold off a, a, uh, a competitor uh, that's trying to flip the recruit. But that's kind of the big picture. We're going to be talking about the defensive line for Dan Landing and the Oregon Ducks here in the 2024 cycle because it is shaping up to be an incredibly special group. Maybe so special that we might be talking about it come early signing period as the single best defensive line haul in the entire country. So just let me go ahead and share my screen and uh, show you guys what this group is looking like right now. Uh, unless you lived under a rock, in case you lived under a rock, um, Oregon has the number six class in the entire country right now after landing five-star Tucson, Arizona, Sal Point Catholic, edge rusher Elijah Rushing. Going to be talking about him a little bit on today's episode of the podcast. He is the second five-star that the Ducks have landed in the month of October, those commitments basically coming within two weeks of each other. So, two new headliners really in the span of two weeks is really significant for Dan Lanning and this Oregon staff. So you have Elijah rushing, and he followed in the footsteps of five-star Santa Ana, modern day defensive lineman Aiden Breland. And With rushing, that was a story of Oregon ultimately flipping him from Arizona. I don't really know if you call it a flip if they decommit from a school and then some time passes and then they commit to Oregon. But I kind of view that as a flip because I think his interest in Oregon and the recruiting efforts from Oregon are ultimately what made him open things back up. But now he is in the fold for Dan Lanning, Tosh Lapoy, and the rest of that staff in 2024. Aiden Breland was another special, special recruitment for the Ducks. I think it's one that could define Dan Lanning's recruiting prowess, ultimately moving forward, because, look, Aiden Breland was down to Oregon, Miami, and Georgia, but really, I think everybody knows this was an Oregon versus Georgia battle. He took his last visit out to Athens, but Oregon was able to overcome that with a, a, a late visit in-person visit really uh, by Dan Lanning. He had uh, come out my way to Southern California and visited uh modern day's game on a Friday night leading up to that decision. So the ducks really had the full court press on there. And I think that surprised a lot of people because when he didn't make it back out to Eugene, after that visit to Athens, some people, including myself, I'll be totally honest, um, weren't feeling incredibly confident that the ducks were going to be able to get it done. So that was a, a really big recruiting win for Dan Lanning because you go against the two-time or back-to-back defending national champions, his former head coach, right? His former boss at Georgia and Kirby Smart, and to be totally frank, an NFL factory and you go in and get a five-star guy in a head-to-head recruiting battle with Georgia, that that's huge. And I have no doubts that that is probably part of the reason that Elijah rushing wanted to commit to Oregon. You don't think he was watching that thing, you know, from a distance and saying, Hey, Oh, that's another five-star defensive lineman. That's a guy kind of on the interior. That's going to honestly make my job even easier, you know, being an edge guy and, just make this defense. If I'm a part of it, even better. That's that's good. Players want to play with good players. Just you know, showing showing itself to you right there. So those are the two headliners in this uh, in that class right now with with Breland and and rushing. But then you have some other really quality guys. You got Zadavian Sims, a defensive lineman out of Durant, Oklahoma, six foot three, 275 pounds. Going to talk about him some more this episode. Uh, and then you have um, Jackson Jones, an edge rusher out of Yuma Catholic in Arizona, Southern Arizona, as well as Teon Gray, a defensive lineman out of the St. Louis area, six foot six, 295 pounds. Um, that's a guy that Oregon flipped from Elia Drinkowitz in the in-state Missouri Tigers. So that's a phenomenal story as well. Really, really talented group that I just named off there, but Oregon, the reason I'm making this episode as crazy as it sounds, Oregon's looking for more. There are more talented recruits that the Ducks have a, at least semi-realistic, if not good shot at landing. Uh, I have a prediction in for one of them. So maybe uh, trying to think of how I want to do this. How about I talk about the guys that aren't committed and then we can kind of talk a little bit more. Mm, no, let's, let's talk about the guys that are committed and then I'll, I'll make sure you guys stick around for some of the uncommitted guys that we're going to be talking about. Let's talk about Jackson Jones, Jackson Jones, edge rusher out of Arizona. He's an intriguing prospect because when you look at Arizona as a state and just kind of some of the top defensive prospects, I think he kind of gets overshadowed, honestly, especially since Oregon made Elijah rushing such a huge priority and then ultimately got him in the fold. Jackson Jones isn't necessarily a guy that you heard about. So I'm kind of excited to get to talk about him on this episode of the podcast and just show you guys the film. If you're watching here on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus, make sure you drop a like on the video. You know, I got to ask you that subscribe to the channel. We're on the road to 3K. That's the goal right now. But Jackson Jones, an intriguing prospect, and he's someone that I think this Oregon staff is excited about. If you look at his tape, Uh, playing for the Irish over at Yuma Catholic. He's a guy who finds himself in the backfield more often than not. I mean, you see him fight through three defenders there and then have the closing speed to bring the quarterback down. I think he's an exciting guy that uh, could turn into someone special for Oregon. And when I look at him as a prospect, I just think back to some of the recent guys that Oregon's gotten out of the state of Arizona Uh, Brandon Buckner is one of them out of Chandler. You know, things didn't necessarily work out when he came to Oregon. Now he's at, it's either East or Middle Tennessee State. I can't remember. That was a guy that I was really high on. And, you know, I'm surprised that it didn't work out, but he was a bit undersized. And I don't think that's the case here with with Jackson Jones uh, being a guy that's a little bit more college ready, just in terms of the physical frame. 247 Sports has enlisted at 6'3, 215 pounds. 15 reported scholarship offers for Jackson Jones. I think this is a recruit that a uh, a recruitment rather that might be a little bit sweeter for Duck fans seeing that he was formerly committed to Washington. Uh the Oregon and Washington rivalry is really alive and well. Um maybe more intense this year than than in years past because the the Huskies are actually good um now. Uh they've they've had some some struggles in my lifetime as I'm sure a lot of Duck fans can relate. I mean, I'm only 26, so I haven't, uh, I haven't gotten to see too much of the rivalry necessarily, but I've seen some games. I've gone to some games, covered some games. So Jackson Jones is one that I think you got to be excited about if you're an Oregon fan and one that you should keep an eye on because he may not have the the star power that some of these other guys that I'm going to talk about do, but you got to remember once these guys get to college, those stars don't mean a darn thing. It's, I'm going to line up across from you and you got to bring it every single rep. And even if he is a little bit, you know, lower on the star rating, he's a four-star guy on the 247 sports composite 0.89, 0.89. So I'm not trying to downplay him at all. Um, Majority PAC 12 recruitment for Jackson Jones, a lot of West coast schools. You do see offers, however, from Michigan and, and Notre Dame, Utah as well. Utah is definitely a premier defensive program um, you know, nationally. So I think he's someone that you got to keep an eye on. But Jackson Jones is the guy that we're starting off with, talking about some of these guys committed to Oregon in the 2024 recruiting class. Dan Laney and his staff really like Arizona, and I think that Jackson Jones is going to be a big part of their efforts, clearly recruiting the state of Arizona. Moving along, we're talking about Zadavian Sims big time defensive lineman out of the state of Oklahoma, six foot three, 275 pounds and the number one ranked player in the state of Oklahoma. And he's someone I'm also really excited about because he's just really athletic and he's got a lot of raw power. And I think honestly, another point that just comes to mind for me with the is he's a really young guy for his class. I think he's only 17, I want to say, and his game is relatively raw. Like There is just so much upside in Zadavian Sims, and, and the way that he moves, I think, is, is part of what makes him special. I think you can probably say that for every guy that I'm going to talk about in this defensive line video, but I think after seeing him in person a little bit, you see him there just pile driving his his defender into the ground, playing a little bit of tight end for Durant. I did see him on the seven on seven circuit when they made their way out here to Southern California playing for C four. And he had a pretty big day, um, catching numerous touchdown passes. So you always get intrigued when there's guys that, that do that kind of reminds me a little bit when I, when I saw last week, when Dylan Williams of long beach poly, he's an Oregon linebacker commit. He was getting some reps in at tight end granted different positions, right? Linebacker to defensive line, but when you see Zadavian play some some tight end, I think it's just another example of how versatile of a player he is. And it's, it's just fun to see a guy that's that's this physical. He's willing to mix it up. I think he's definitely a guy that, that gives you some position versatility. I, I'm not saying this is maybe a direct comp to, to Brandon Dorless, but certainly when you see him play, you see him move around the line of scrimmage, 6'3", I think he's going to get to Eugene at, at a great size already. And then Oregon's going to kind of be able to mold him from there. And just another point that I think is is worth worth a mention here, I feel like I'm saying that so much lately. So I got to try to, it's like one of those, uh, not nervous habits, but like things that you lean on um, with with your speech. But another important thing, we got to talk about Tony Tuioti because When Oregon got Dan, uh, not Dan Lanning, when Oregon got Aiden Breland and and Elijah Rushing in this class, and probably even Zadavian Sims, I feel like Dan Lanning and Tosh Lapoy were really dominating the conversations and getting a majority of the credit. And and, and they deserve a whole bunch of credit. Don't get me wrong, but I just got to give a shout out to Tony Tuiyoti because he is doing a phenomenal job as a recruiter. I don't think he gets mentioned enough when it comes to Oregon's recruiting efforts because Lapoy and Lanning have a lot of experience and work uh, in their careers with the defensive line. But Tony Tuioti has been in a very underrated recruiter since he joined the Oregon staff coming over from Nebraska. And when you have a lot of guys that can recruit and recruit at a high level, it's it's not a shock to me that Oregon is putting together this group of defensive linemen that they are, because it's got a, a, got a real potential to be elite. And the reason I wanted to talk about this position specifically is because Oregon's defensive line is playing some really good football right now. But you're going to lose a lot of guys going into 2024, right? I feel like I say, I say it every week: Dorless, Rogers, possibly Birch, Popo Amavai. Maybe Keon Ware Hudson, I think. I'm, I'm not sure how much eligibility he has. Uh, Taki Taimani. So it only makes sense that we look at the next wave. That's what we got to talk about, guys, like Mateo Uyangalele, Tatum Tuioti, Blake Purchase. There, in fall camp, there was a lot of hype and some buzz around Amari Washington, right? The, the true freshman defensive lineman out of Arizona. I think he went to Chandler. And, or, and, uh, Mikel, maybe it was, no, it was Mikel Gardner. He was the other Arizona defensive lineman that was getting some, some praise. So he was worth a mention. And now I want to talk about these guys, because there could be a pretty decent shot that we see some of Elijah rushing of Aiden Breland as true freshman. maybe not to the degree that we're seeing Mateo, but who knows the more true freshmen that you have playing. I think based on the way Dan Lanning's recruiting, it's not out of necessity It's not because you need them to play, so you're throwing them out there. It's because they show up to the college level, and they're competitors, and they're advanced players, and if they're playing in important games, then they're playing even better than maybe some of your returning guys, which Oregon's going to have some returners, but just not a boatload of experience like they've had this year.
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Next guy, I'm going to throw some highlights on. We got Tion Gray from Hazelwood Central High School in Florissant, Missouri. He's another huge recruit that the Ducks got. In the 2024 recruiting class, uh, Florissant, Missouri, but really, St. Louis is kind of what we're talking about here. Six foot six, 295 pounds, committed to Oregon back in April of 2023, flipping from uh, his previous commitment to the Missouri Tigers. And I remember when I talked to Tion, and he was mentioning to me how when he committed to Missouri, his coach said that he should wait because he hadn't gotten to see that many schools. I don't even know if he'd seen any other schools, matter of fact, but he visited Oregon. It was very much the childhood dream school uh, that you hear about that kind of a story, but he loved every second of it. That's what he told me. And then he came back and he told his coach and he said, I told you, man, like you you, you should see other schools. and, I feel like it's a good time to to talk about how it's important for, for recruits to just enjoy the process. I mean, if if I was a recruit, I'd be taking so many visits. I want to get around the country as much as I can. I think it's a little bit of a different dynamic when you have a committed recruit taking visits. There are schools out there. I think Clemson's the most notable example that I know of. Uh, And then I want to say Oklahoma as well with Brent Venables being from that Sweeney tree that don't, Really approve of their commits taking visits elsewhere, but if you're a coach, you want a guy who's locked in. But at the same time, you have to have confidence that what you you have to have confidence in your culture, in your scheme, in your development, and and that's why I think sometimes you see schools uh, have the, you know, let their commits, for lack of a better word, let their commits take trips to other schools. But there, there's so much at play. You know, people get their feelings hurt. People make more of it than they should on social media, but guys want to take trips, even if they're committed to to make sure that it's the right school for them. Um, and, and clearly that visit played a huge role in, and Teon Gray flipping from Missouri. So just to talk a little bit more about him, as you look at the tape here, a little bit grainy, not the best, uh, not the best quality, but six six, two hundred ninety five 295 pounds. I mean, that that's, that's the size that you want Uh, and your defensive line and a, a theme really throughout this group is just bringing that sec caliber defense to Eugene. That is exactly what Dan Lanning and Tosh Lapoy are working to do. They know what the blueprint is. They both coached at major sec programs that have won national championships. So it's interesting to look at the defensive line compared to the offensive line, because, I feel like Oregon has been able to do more with less on the defensive li- on the offensive line. Um, but all the best programs in college football, all the best teams, the national champions, every single year, they have dogs in the line of scrimmage, dogs in that trench warfare. And that's exactly what Oregon's looking for. Dan Lanning and Tosh Lapoy, Tony Tuioti, they're looking for some dogs and they have some really talented players some just massive human beings in the trenches. Tion Gray is also bringing some of that two-way ability. I don't think the plan is for him to play offensive line, but I think it's exciting to see that on the tape because it just helps you understand the position that you're going against. Once he gets to college, he's going to be going against offensive linemen, and he's, I'm sure he's going to be able to use a lot of what he learned from the high school level to win some one-on-one battles. Uh, I think that the pursuit and the speed that you see at his size, you like the pad level as well, violent hands. um, And the motor that he plays with are some of the things that stand out the most. So we got a couple more guys to talk about. I think uh, we got some of the the headliners to talk about now uh, on the back end of this pod. Um, We got Aiden Breeland, the five-star from modern day. He's a guy who, really moves all around the line of scrimmage, you know, six foot five, six foot six, 290 pounds. I've seen this guy play a lot and there are moments where you're just like, whoa, like he just did that. You saw him hitting his helmet, hitting his head. He is a guy who plays with a ton of energy and really just raw power. But what's a little interesting. And I I mean, it's just, I think it's important to men to communicate because, so many times people can get caught up with, you know, they read modern day, they read five star and and, and this and that. And you see the tape and the tape is obviously only really going to be the, the good plays, right? You don't necessarily see as much of the bad and I, you wouldn't expect to because highlight reels are uh, these guys, you know, showcasing their best stuff. But I have seen some inconsistency at times from Aiden Breland That's not to knock him. That's just kind of telling you what I've seen. But like, look at this play. Like you see this play. And he literally just ragdolls the running back here that he that he brings down. Now he has him in his hands. Now the, the running backs, like, oh dude, what what did I just get myself into? And then Aiden Breland just tosses him like he's absolutely nothing. Like he should be doing that at a at a more frequent rate than he is. But when he's locked in, he is a dominant force. Uh, I was talking to a coach the other day, and he was telling me that he sees some versatility with Aiden Breland. So maybe there is kind of more of what you see with a guy that's uh, able to move kind of up and down the line of scrimmage and, and see where everything's at um, in terms of what's ultimately his best fit. Because if you have a guy who can play at a lot of different positions, that is incredibly valuable. Uh, You don't want to necessarily try to move a guy around just for the sake of it. If you have a guy that's good at doing one thing, keep him there, let him flourish and what he's good at. So Aiden Breland's a guy I'm really excited about for Oregon. I mean, the the optics, winning a recruiting battle over Georgia, like I mentioned, getting a guy from a national powerhouse program, um, a guy who, who plays with a ton of physicality and um, is a really fiery player. I think he's someone that can fire up the rest of your defensive line, and, and he's going to open up a lot of opportunities for your linebackers to come flying in. Now we're going to talk about Elijah rushing before we get to the last guy's Uh, the uncommitted guys in this class because Elijah rushing is the, the talk of the town right now, but he may not be the talk of the town for so long because Oregon's still working to get some big time talent in the fold here in the 2024 class. They already have 24 commits. So fortunately for them, they're going to be able, they already are able to hone their focus in on a much smaller group of prospects to try to ultimately get those guys in the fold here in 2024. But Elijah rushing, we talked already about the importance of recruiting the state of Arizona. It just feels like every single year there's more and more quality talent coming out of the state of Arizona. Um, You know, there's no perfect science. They don't all hit necessarily. Um, And I think that that's something that's that you kind of bring to the table in the conversation. Maybe they don't hit as much as guys from California Texas and Florida because the competition is just so elite at in those three States, but that doesn't mean you don't recruit them by any means. And I'm not saying that Elijah rushing isn't gonna, isn't gonna pan out. I mean, you look at him on tape, six foot, six, 250 pounds, just flying off the edge. He's, he's really talented and you know, a lot of production also excels at defending the run. I think he has a ton of power in his game, which is something you love to see. I think sometimes a lot of edge players, you think more light on their feet and flying around with finesse. And I think there is some of that as well, but a lot of his highlights are just, you know, him out athleting the guy in front of him or being longer than the guy next to him. This, this goes back to a previous point, And I'm glad I'm thinking about it. Six foot six, 251 pounds. You're not going to find a lot of offensive linemen that, gonna be, that are going to be able to block him on a consistent basis. And you probably aren't going to find a lot of those massive offensive linemen out in Arizona. You need to go more California, Texas or the South uh, or, you know, maybe Utah to find guys like that. So him excelling, it's it's not always, you know, I haven't covered every game. I haven't seen him in person, but you don't necessarily have the same size offensive lineman there that you will in the rest of the state. But either way, you know, I don't want to come off as overcritical at all. I'm just trying to give you the whole picture. Either way this is huge. The two top West Coast recruits, the two top defensive West Coast recruits, they're going to Oregon. They know it's like Dylan Williams said when he committed, if you want to play defense and you want to play ball in the West Coast, you go to Oregon. And since Dylan Williams said that, they picked up I think I think Kamar Matuti committed after him, I can't remember, but he's another big-time linebacker, West Coast. Aiden Breland, West Coast. Elijah Rushing, West Coast. Trench talent. Oregon, huge. So huge, huge get for the Ducks with Elijah Rushing. Now there's two more that are still in the fold, or not in the fold. They're still on the board. We're talking about Solomon Williams and out of Tampa, Florida, Carrollwood Day High School. And we're also talking about Jericho Johnson out of Fairfield, California, our Mio High School. He's another guy that I'm really excited about just as a recruit. Um, you know, he... He stuck around at Armio. really has been instrumental, a guy that they've kind of been able to build their team around in terms of just their game plan. You know, he's a huge guy, 6'4", right around 300 pounds, and he's another guy, I think, like Breland, that you were able to move around a little bit. You have some versatility there with his game. But what's so special about this recruiting class or the potential for it to be special I think before Breland committed, it kind of felt like Oregon was maybe going to get one of Breland or one of Breland or Johnson. But now, even though the numbers are, are getting you know pretty tight, it, it feels like Oregon has the chance to possibly get both of these guys, which is crazy. I know, but this is a seriously talented guy. I mean, you see his explosion there off the line of scrimmage, just creating chaos in the backfield. You want as much of that on your team as you possibly can. I think that Dan Laney knows how important it is to win at the line of scrimmage. uh, And especially with the guys that you're losing, I hate to keep coming back to that, but that just reinforces how big of a priority the defensive line is and needs to be. So I think that Oregon can pull off Jericho Johnson and Aiden Breland. I mean, I, I didn't put a prediction in for Breland. That was, you know, a lot of stuff was happening. I was on vacation, but I did put a prediction in for, for Oregon to land Jericho Johnson. He's got a top four of Oregon, UW, Utah, and USC. And I think he was in Salt Lake City for his official visit to Utah last weekend. So he got to see what this Oregon team is doing. He got to see what this Oregon team is building. And man, I just don't see how you can't want to be a part of that with, with what they're doing defensively. Washington's the biggest uh, competition there, I think, for Oregon. Oregon has some really strong Northern California ties, especially Tosh Lapoy, who is an elite recruiter, and is is even he's looking like an even better coach now. uh, Certainly, I think than last year. Now that they just have some guys that fit their scheme a little bit better, but I feel like I'm kind of betting on Tosh Lapoy there with with uh, here with this Jericho Johnson recruitment. Um, I think that maybe those recruitments out of your kind of home area, Tosh the Poise, Northern California guy, East Bay or Concord, that's those recruitments just mean a little bit more. If you have a guy who could potentially be just a dog in your defense, and he comes from your area, uh, you know, your blueprint, your your footprint, those are guys that you really want, and you're going to do what it takes to get the job done there. Jericho Johnson has yet to schedule or take his official visit to Oregon. I know he told me that Tosh Lepoy wants Oregon to be that last official visit. So now that he's taken visit, official visits to UW and Utah, he's also he was in town for the Colorado game. That was an unofficial visit. It's certainly looking like it's continuing to trend in Oregon's favor as far as getting that final official visit, which carries so much weight when it comes to recruitment. He's an early signing period kind of guy. He told me when I spoke to him before that Oregon visit that he wants to make his decision in-house privately in the month of November. So that's this month before going public with it during the early signing period. So Jericho Johnson, uh, I think that one's still going to be a battle. He's a really coveted prospect, all American caliber guy, but I think that Oregon's looking like they're in good shape for him. Still, And then I'm going to, the last guy I'm going to talk about today is Solomon Williams out of Tampa, Florida, Wood day high school. It's it's just crazy that we're talking about all of these guys because Oregon signed so many defensive linemen. They signed so many edge rushers in the 2023 class, but this is the premium position for Dan Lanning in my eyes he knows that you have to have just difference makers along the line of scrimmage guys that can get after the quarterback guys that can defend the run. And with Oregon going to the big 10, I wonder how much that factors into how he's working the numbers here, how this Oregon staff is working the numbers because they already really have the, the guys along the offensive line, I think to, to really compete with the big 10. I think that was something that was pretty evident when the ducks went to Columbus and beat Ohio state, but I don't really think that the defensive line was where it needed to be compared to the offensive line. Right? Oregon only got two sacks in that game against Ohio State, and one of them was from DJ Johnson, and one of them was from Braden Swinson. Uh, neither of those guys are at Oregon anymore, so it's a new era. But I think that being in the Big Ten requires a different level of defensive line depth, and I think Oregon's starting to have it. But the only way to ensure that you have it is to continue adding these big time guys. Solomon Williams is huge. He was on campus for his official visit during the Washington State game. Talked about him quite a bit, but it looks like Oregon continues to trend in the right direction for Solomon Williams. Maybe you try to get him back on campus. I mean, just watching this guy move, the physicality that he plays with. I think he's at 6'3, 215, 225. So he's real quick off the edge. He's battle tested playing against top, top, top competition in the Sunshine State. But hey, as is the case with Jericho Johnson and every elite recruit that Oregon's going after. you got some big competition. He's working from a top five of Alabama, Oregon, Clemson, um, Texas, and Texas A&M. So those are some seriously big recruiting powers. You know, Clemson's not having a great season. Bama's doing Bama things. Texas is doing really well. Texas A&M is much more of a question mark. They've brought in some really good talent, but haven't been able to do much with it along the defensive line. So, Jimbo Fisher's on the hot seat. I think it's boding well for Oregon. Um, it's not easy to go against Bama, but they they just proved that they can go against an SEC program and come out on top when they landed Aiden Breland. So that's why I don't think it's unrealistic that they get Solomon Williams and that they maybe even get both of these guys. If Oregon's able to get both Solomon Williams and Jericho Johnson, I'm pretty confident that that's going to be the best defensive line haul in the country they already have one of the best linebacker halls in the country. Love all three of those guys and what they bring to the table as recruits, Braden Platt, Kamar Matuti, and uh, Dylan Williams, of course. So I don't want to ramble too much, but man, the defensive line is so, so important. The battle in the trenches, trench warfare. Dan Lenny knows that. Tosh Lapoi knows that. Tony Tuioti knows that. Everybody inside that facility knows that, which is why you're seeing them put such a premium on the position, I think you feel good about your corner depth. You signed a lot of guys from that 23 class, and you can go to the portal some more if you need to. Um, so we'll have to see what they what happens there. Maybe you need some more safety help, but as far as defensive line goes, Oregon is in great shape. And man, this class could get even better. So defensive line. Numbers are tight, but these guys are special talents. And I think you might just be in the situation where you, if they are willing to come to Oregon, if they want to be at Oregon, you take them and you figure out the numbers later. Um, I know I need to do better about kind of the knowing the numbers and kind of seeing where trying to figure out where Oregon wants to work from with those numbers. But man, these guys are special talents. And I know that Oregon wants them. I think that if they want a spot, they have it in Eugene. Man, this was a very fun episode. I always get fired up talking about recruiting. Never want to be too repetitive, so hopefully I'm not. But important to, for you guys to lock in with me on social media, at mtaurussports on both Twitter and Instagram, at OregonFootballMaxTaurus on YouTube. Drop a like on the video, subscribe to the channel, and hit that notification bell so you don't miss out on live streams or uploads. And make sure you read all of my stuff covering the Ducks over on DucksDigest.com. Going to be in Eugene this weekend. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Every day we're getting closer to being back at Austin. But that'll do it for me on this one. Until next time, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the Duck's Dish Podcast.